by having those businesses that failed, I was able to, to, to learn something each step along the way about what was working and what wasn't working. And so I may, you know, you ha- let's say you have to go zero to 100. Well, that first time, maybe I only went to 10. That second time, I maybe only went to 30. But I started at 10. I didn't start at one. I didn't right. start at zero. I started at one. At, at, at 10 and then I started at 30 and I eventually having those building blocks allowed me to to reach that like that point where uh, there was a success after all of that. Hey everybody, I'm James Shannon. I want to thank you all for listening in. This is the 10th episode of Conversation with James Shannon, Success After Tragedy. Today, I'm talking to an entrepreneur and author, Russell Nolte, from The Complete Creative and host of The Complete Creative Podcast. Russell has written over a dozen books and has more to come. He's also written comics, graphic novels, and anthologies. In fact, he was working on one when we started our conversation, and you get to hear the joy of that today. However, things were not always as great as they sound. You'll hear how Russell had companies and projects that failed, but how he was able to learn from them and reach the point of success that he's at today. This is my conversation with Russell. Today's guest is Russell Nolte. He is a USA Today bestselling author, publisher, editor, and six-figure entrepreneur. Russell has spoken at conventions all over the country, and he teaches creatives on how to build their businesses through his podcast, The Complete Creative, and his website, thecompletecreative.com. Russell, thank you for agreeing to have a conversation with me today. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Now, you didn't always have a business making six figures, and I do want to learn about that business. But first, I want to go back to the beginning. What was your first business? The first business that I had was called Insert Name Here Productions. Uh, it was set up when I was. The time is fuzzy. I thought that it was after I graduated from college, but the more I think about it, the more I think that it was while I was still in college. But it was basically a production company to fund low budget independent films. Basically, that one never even got off the ground. We had some meetings, we tried to do some stuff, but it really fizzled out before I even started. And then you had three more businesses after that, right? Then I had a photography company called RPN Photography. I had that one for a while. I was doing fashion photography and portraiture, and I was shooting movies and music videos and all sorts of stuff around the Virginia DMV district, Maryland, Virginia area where I was from at the time. Uh, I even got sent to Denmark at one point on a movie. It was uh, pretty good. I wasn't, was not very good at marketing then or finding new clients. So I uh, ended up scraping by a lot. But that company I had from 2005 through 2008 when I got in a car accident and then uh, I, was, I had to give that up along with the other company that I had at the time, which was called BNS Media Group, which I started with two people to fund. It was another production company, IP House, to fund uh, a movie that we made called Connections, a couple of short films and a couple of other things that, we had, that I had done. So before I left Maryland where I went to college, 
I had started and failed three companies. And then I came to LA in 2008 and I spent the next couple of years bouncing around, trying to find out how to be a uh, television film writer before I finally landed in comics. And I started my company, uh, Wannabe Press. Now, around that same time, I was working at a Sprint dealership and my two bosses wanted to start a Verizon dealership. So the two of us and myself started a Verizon dealership. And then about six months later, that one flamed out. And so uh, I've had five main companies of which four have flamed out. Now, I do still own a Verizon dealership with the information that I learned from that first one. And then I also own a training academy now called The Complete Creative, and then a um, publishing company called Wannabe Press, which all sort of combine together to be my entrepreneur portfolio. So after you had these five main companies pretty much just blow up in your face, how did you find the, the strength to continue to create another company or like what made you want to not give up? I mean, I just kept coming back to it. I would have other jobs and I would try other things, but I really, really wanted to do something creative. I wanted to direct and write movies and do all this stuff. So every time I would fall down, uh, I would get back up. And I, I knew the thing that I wanted to do. It is not the most lucrative thing that I could be doing with my time. I know that I could go and sell widgets and something else and make a whole lot more money. But I just, every time I had another job, once I would get fired or once I would quit, I would always end up unemployed. And once I was unemployed, I would decide I wanted to give creating another shot. And so I just kept coming up with creative businesses and ways for me to, to make my way. I don't think that if I, I think that if I didn't love it, if I didn't have that drive, I would have given up and maybe I'd be an accountant now, but there's just something I often say that Muhammad Ali or Mike Tyson didn't like getting punched in the face any more than me and you do. In <laughs> fact, I know Mike Tyson vomited uh, before he went on stage. He was scared stiff every time before a fight, but he knew that getting punched in the face and getting down and getting back up, uh, eventually, uh, if he took enough punches, he would land that championship belt. And that's kind of how I, I started thinking about it is uh, if I wanted to do the thing, I had to get up. I could give up whenever I wanted. I still can give up whenever I want because I have a history of sales now and of success and of marketing success. I'm sure there are no shortage of jobs that I'm qualified to fulfill now uh, in online marketing and in production and whatever the thing is that I'm trying to do. But there's something that just keeps driving me in to keep doing this thing. And I think that's what you really have to have as an entrepreneur, as uh, somebody is, it's really hard if you don't have that fire in your gut. Now, sometimes that fire goes out. I won't lie and say that, you know, it was always easy to restart companies. After Insert Name Here Productions, it took me a couple of years to really get the strength to try it again. And then after BNS Media Group failed, it took a long time for me to get over that. But eventually that fire gets relit and I keep wanting to move forward. So I don't think it's an option for me anymore. I, I think I've, I'm sort of a reluctant entrepreneur just because there's nothing else that I can do. Uh, there's, I don't like 
being employed by other people. I don't like being told how to spend my time or my days. I certainly did not like selling widgets and stuff that I didn't care about. So it's kind of the only option for me if I want to. And if I want to keep being able to create the products that I love, I have to do the business. I have to do it. There's no other option. Like you can't have a company that publishes books and writes books and puts them out to market without doing the business stuff and the marketing stuff behind it. Like they are part and parcel. Uh, so if you are going to have a company, if you're going to be a successful creative entrepreneur or any kind of entrepreneur or even an intrapreneur inside, your, inside a company, you've really, the option that you have is if, you, if you're going to do that, you've got to start treating yourself like a business and you've got to treat the business with the kind of seriousness and rigor that it needs in order to grow. Otherwise, it can never happen. I feel like if you don't take it serious, it's just a hobby for you. You're not, you're not really trying to have or run your business. And that's okay. Like, it's fine. Like, if you yeah. just want it as a hobby, that is your absolute right as a, as a human. We live in a world where everything has to be commodified and every hour of your job, of your day has to be productive. And the only time you get a respite from it is, is, is sleep. And if you're not making everything's hyper productive, then there's this like shame that comes along with it. But if you want to do writing or art or anything, if you want to cut hair or do plumbing, whatever, as a hobby, if that's like the thing that's a hobby, but not your job, like that's perfectly okay. But if you want to make it your job, if you want to do it for your career, then you have to treat it with the rigor that you would your actual career. I, I love the Tyson analogy that you used um, earlier, because even with the things that you love doing, sometimes it's not, it's not easy. Every single time I get ready to do one of these interviews, I'm nervous. This is like my 45th interview and I still get nervous every single time, but I love doing it. So I'm glad that, that you said that. Right before we came on this um uh, on air, I have been struggling with this new book cover. I've been back and forth with my printer for weeks about this book cover that they say is not printable, but I know it is printable. <laughs> and we've been literally going back and like, like hours, hours of my life have been spent on this one stupid book cover, which should have taken me four minutes. I should have been forwarded it. And then that was it. And then they would have been like, yep, it's, but I have had to like pull my hair out. It's been awful. But that's part and parcel with the parts that I love. Like I love the reaching out and I love the doing virtual summits and I love when people read the books and I love being able to tell stories for a living. But doing that also means that when I when my printer continually emails me back to say that something's not working, even though I absolutely know it's working, that I uh, have to spend my time doing this thing that I hate. I hate pre-press. But I mean, what you going to do? Pre-press is part of it. And Frank Gehry once said that in any structure, he has 15% of it to be creative. And that's how I feel. It's like, it's a business. 20% of it, maybe on a good day, I get to, to be innovative. And that's the part that lifts me up. And the other 80% is the part that like, I have to deal with so that I can do the part that I was put on this earth to do. I love that, Russell. Now, you mentioned your printer and the cover, so it seems like you're writing another book. How many books have you written so far? 
Well, this is an anthology. We just ran an anthology oh. on Kickstarter that raised $30,000. But I have written over a dozen books. I'm, it's getting close to 20. I think I've written 20 now. Um, it's, it's right around that time. I think there's been about a dozen that have been released. I'm honestly not 100% sure, but it's hard. once you have more than a couple, it's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to remember exactly, uh, but <laughs> it's, it's getting near 20, and I've got eight just sitting back that haven't been released yet, so we're going to be releasing those in the next year, and then I also write comics and graphic novels, and I have written several of those anthology pieces, so I'm I'm pretty prolific. I try to put out four novels, an anthology, and a graphic novel a year. Oh, wow. That's a lot. It doesn't get overwhelming? It's always overwhelming. Everything is overwhelming, <laughs> and it never stops being overwhelming. It gets easier to deal with the overwhelm because you know what's coming. Right. The hard part of the overwhelm is like, this cover should not have taken me this long. So it's been very overwhelming because like it's a thing that I didn't plan for. Like, I know I have to get a cover. I know I have to get it formatted correctly. Like, I know all of these things, but I allot a specific amount of time for them. And this has far exceeded the amount of time that I had for this particular event. So that ends up being where a lot of my overwhelm comes from these days or doing something brand new. So I had just run, I've run two virtual conferences in the past month and I have one more coming up. So I, uh, the, it was kind of overwhelming to put all that stuff together, but now I've done it twice. And I think if I, once I do it the third time, assuming it goes well, also I'll have like a system in place. And once, once the system kind of locks down, it becomes a lot easier to deal with the overwhelm because at least you have a checklist of all the things you need. But yeah, I run pretty big launches. You know, the last one was $30,000 or We've run, you know, thirty to forty thousand dollars. We've had thousands of people buy our books and and listen to our podcast and such. And I don't find that part overwhelming anymore, like the amount of people. But I think anytime you get to the next level or you're trying something new, there's a lot of overwhelm that comes with that until you figure it out. Right, right. I, I agree. And now, I mean, you guys are obviously having you know a tremendous amount of success. Do you think that? you were able to get to this point in your life because of the failures of the businesses that you started out with? I think that every time I did it, every time you start a business or try something, you end up the floor at which you fall is higher. So by having those businesses that failed, I was able to, to, to learn something each step along the way about what was working and what wasn't working. And so I may, you know, you have, let's say you have to go zero to a hundred. Well, that first time, maybe I only went to 10. That second time I maybe only went to 30, but I started at 10. I didn't start at one. I didn't right. start at zero. I started at one at, 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 at 10 and then I started at 30 and I eventually having those building blocks allowed me to, to reach that like that point where uh, there was a success after all of that. But yeah, think that not just the companies that fail, but also just the projects that failed, like the, the partnerships that didn't work out showed me what to look for in the projects that did work out and like the, the personality traits to look for and people that are going to work well with me and not going to work well with me and, and how to like run teams and how to hire better and, 
all of those things all came from the failure. Now, it would have been nice to not have to go through that or uh, maybe pay a mentor or something to not have to deal with that based on like just the beating up that it did. But it taught me, it definitely taught me resilience of like, I know the kind of books and the kinds of projects I want to take on. I know like the scope of them. I know who to hire for them. And I've gotten very good at all of that because I've banged my head up against the wall a whole bunch of times and eventually iterated enough that I could break out of that. And you, you mentioned the, the beating up that you took. And I know you said that BS Media, it took a, some time to get over. How how were you able to get over it? I honestly don't know if I ever got over it oh, wow. <laughs> completely. I really wanted that one to work. I yeah. think when I finally came to terms with it was once the movie was done. So it's this movie called Connections. You can watch. We broke it up into a web series on YouTube and you can watch it. It's very mediocre. But I think once that project came out and I was able to be like, yeah, that probably wasn't right. The next biggest thing was when I started having success with Ichabod, when I put my first book on Kickstarter and it raised like almost, it raised $5,500. And I was like, oh, like there is money there. There is like, I, I know what I'm doing. I have, a, I, I understand what, what this thing is all about. So it just gave me a spark to be like, well, you know, that didn't work. And that's really hard. It's still hard. I would love nothing more than to make movies. But I found like a thing that I'm really passionate about, which is books and comics. And, and, and it's great, but it's, I'd be lying if I said it was plan A. Plan A was for sure movies or television. Well, you are on to plan B with the books and the comments, and you also have the, have the podcast. Can you explain more about the podcast, like what it's for and what can listeners gain from it? Sure. So I'm still trying to make a, to figure out how to explain it in a way that makes it feel as fun as it actually is. But the show is called The Complete Creative. We interview creators about how they built and sustained their creative business over years and decades, uh, what goes into a creative career, and uh, how to take yours to the next level. So we have guests like Dr. Deborah Holland, who's a USA Today bestselling author of romance, but also she's a psychologist who helps corporations deal with burnout and anxiety and grief and depression. So she came on and talked about that. We had Marv Wolfman, who created the Teen Titans and wrote everything for DC, cool. he created Deathstroke and, and just hundreds of characters. We had him come on to talk about how law, how you sustain a business. We've had composers come on. We've had fine artists come on. Uh, we've had comic book artists and writers and authors. It's mostly authors. I'm not going to lie because I'm an author. So that's usually who I interview, but it's not exclusively authors or comic creators. They just happen to be uh, the biggest audience of my, uh, right. my clients and the customers and the things that I do. So that's what we follow on. But it's really... It feels best when it feels like two people that are sitting down and having a conversation about their careers. I mean, the real differentiating factor is like, I've done it all already. Like I am like a six figure entrepreneur. I, I mean, I'm, I have a lot of way to go. I'm not saying I'm, there's no way to grow, but like I've, 
I've had a lot of success and, and I'm interviewing someone who's had a lot of success as well in pretty much the same kinds of fields that I'm in. So and we can really dig deep about certain things. And we go down rabbit holes like how to use Kickstarter, how to sell at conventions, how to build an audience. We just had Amira Valiani from Glow FM talk about you know how to build a membership community. It's all stuff that creatives really need to know to to lead a complete creative life. And for me, that is mindset, creativity, and marketing all working together in one. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it's not even just your podcast, it's the website. Like it's a ton of information that you is out there on your site that you're giving away. Like I spent a lot of time on your website and listened to the podcast. And it it, it went from I was just trying to study and do some research to, I was like so caught up into it. Like, oh, this is cool. I'm, I'm learning now. I can attest to that. It's a lot on the completecreator.com and on your podcast. Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah, it's really important for me that pretty much everything that I learn, I package in one way. So uh, I try and do these epic blog posts for everything that we're, um, you know, a, a lot of the things that creatives deal with. I try to bring out guests for things that I'm struggling with or I've struggled with in the past. I have free courses and some paid courses that sort of deal with the biggest things that I've learned and dealt with. So I have a course called Build a Rabbit Fan Base, which is basically my guide, step-by-step implementation guide for how to how to go from no fans to hundreds of fans willing to buy from you or thousands of fans willing to buy from you, which is sort of, for me, that was the secret that changed from those first four failed companies to the ones that succeeded. I've done courses on Kickstarter. I've done free courses and paid courses on Kickstarter. You know, I used to run a marketing company call, uh, that helped artists very quickly grow their mailing list through giveaways and uh, their social media presence. So we did a course on that. Uh, I've done books on how to become a successful author, how to build your creative career. Kind of my goal by the end of my career, if at the end of my career, people say nothing but like he put together a pretty good package or a complete package or a relatively complete package on what it means to leave a, live a creative life and the pieces that you need to incorporate into it, I think I'll be happy with that. Are you happy now? I was just having a conversation with my friend saying that I am happy for me. Uh, So I've had a lot of success in my career and I, I have always overlooked the mindset part of it. I think because I was resilient and I was like, I was always fighting for something and kind of had a chip on my shoulder. I would, um, I, I, I always put more into the, the tactical part of it. And because I always had this chip on my shoulder, I was able to keep going even when my, when my mindset was bad. But there's something that happens when you get to a certain place in your career. It happened to me. It probably happens to other people a lot earlier where you look back and you're like, oh, well, I broke in. I'm well-respected. But and like, there's nobody telling me I can't do things anymore, really. And like, what is it for? Like, what is the thing? Like, like, why are you still so upset about all of this stuff? And worse off is what happens because there's going to be ebbs and flows in your career. There's going to be times when you're really hot and times where you're really cold. And it was a lot easier to tie my success 
to my self-worth when I was on an upward trajectory. But last year, I had released a bunch of books that didn't do well, and uh, I was in a very bad place. And I realized that tying your self-worth to your success also means you tie it to your failure. So I've been very conscious to try and divest myself of that idea that two ideas. The first is that the more successful that I am, the more people care about me or the, the higher my self-worth. The second is that I can't define myself as one thing. So I, I'm not a success. I'm not a failure. I'm not a brother or a son or a husband. I'm, I'm a person who is also these things. So I'm a person who has failed and a person who has succeeded and a person who owns two dogs and a person who is married and a person who does these. So it's a very small shift, but it's helped me be happier than I have ever been in that, that I can remember. And I don't know if that means that I'm happy, but I'm happy enough. I get it. And you've been through a lot to the, the failures and the success now having a six figure business. And I thank you for just coming onto the show and sharing your story with us. And I know some of the topics are difficult, but it's, it's important that, that people hear because you think Russell knows, you think, you know, he's successful. And then a lot of times people just see what you're doing now, what's, what's going on currently. They don't understand where you came from or how you got there or even what you may be going through that you don't tell the whole world. So I thank you for just sharing that with me today. Absolutely. And I think that's so important because uh, two things, when I talk to creators, I always tell them that uh, you can't judge where you are now to where I am now. Almost always, you are further ahead of me than I was at your age. I talk about this to people I mentor all the time. It's like, you guys are so much further ahead than I was. Like, if I could go back and get five more years back, it'd be so much easier for me now to like have to like, I'd be at such a better place than I am now. So you can't judge your level one to someone else's level 50. And the other thing is people often think that success means that you will always be successful. So if you've had a success, like the next one is guaranteed or like there's something that's going to happen in your personal life when you're successful that, that like, I don't know, it's just going to be magic, but it's not magic. It's still the same amount of work. You're risking even more. So there's even more, you know, you're putting your, your reputation on the line. You're also putting yourself on the line for every, every fan to hope that you're relevant again, to hope that you're doing something that they like. You don't only have to grow a fan base, but you have to maintain it, which means you have to keep being relevant to them and you have to keep like showing up and like, it didn't become easier. It became exponentially harder because, you know, when you go back to a convention or when you go back to Kickstarter, you'll see that a lot of those people who you sold that first time to didn't, didn't buy the second time. Um, and now they're never going to buy again. So you have to like work really, really hard to maintain and then get ahead because when you start your business, all you have is growth. You go from one to a hundred, but when you've been doing it a while, you realize that you go one to a hundred and then that first year, 10% churn minimum, it's probably more like 
25 or 30 percent churn uh, when you first, until you really figure out who your audience is. So you've got to grow by 15 percent and then 20 percent, and you've got to keep growing and growing and growing. And yes, your diehard fans become bigger, but the amount of people who are willing to buy your work overall becomes smaller as well. So success. It's not, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's very nice to go and like be able to put together an awesome conference like we just had last weekend with very little effort because I just know so many people and there are so many people in my network, but I still have to deliver. I still have to deliver the goods at the end of the day. And that's a lot of pressure. And so I, I respect famous people a lot more now than I used to. <laughs> not that I am famous, but... I kind of respect their internal struggle. I, res- I understand why Britney Spears shaved, all- shaved her head off. Like I understand all of these things from a very deep perspective and why they're, I understand why people are always wondering if they're relevant or not, because I always wonder now if I'm relevant or not, because if I'm not relevant, then I can't sell books. Like I can't sell the things that I need to sell to like maintain my lifestyle. So it's, it's a whole lot of work. It's great work, and I, I love it, and um, I'm very blessed. But just because someone is popular or doing well or successful doesn't mean that they don't have their own struggles because, I mean, every level, another devil. And then I think the, that was a great correlation you know, with celebrities because I forgot who I forgot who it was, but they were saying that when, when I was a nobody, I can fail as much as I wanted to and nobody cared. But once you succeed, everybody's watching you, waiting for you to fail. And then once you fail, you become such and such person that failed at this. So it's harder or it's, it's easier to fail before your success because nobody's watching you. On top of that, it's also like people expect you to do when you're not successful. There's no lane that you have to stay in. Right. You can do anything. But once you get success, people start expecting that to be the thing that you do. And when you try other things, they're very confused and often they're bitter at you for, they're angry at you for trying something new. Not everybody, but a lot of people are like, why would you write sci-fi? You're a fantasy author. Like, why would you do this? You're, why would you do books? You're a comic book guy. I know you as a comic book guy. You know, Justine Bateman talked about this after Family Ties. People respected her on Family Ties, but when she tried to do other stuff, they're like, "You're just the, you're the girl from Family Ties. Why would you try and do anything else?" So a lot of lanes get closed to you when you get successful, and also when you're relying on your business, you have to have like you have to put out more of the similar books. You have to put more of the similar stuff because that's what pays your rent. That's what pays your mortgage. Uh, you try something else. It might work, but like it's very risky. So there's a lot of great stuff that comes with success. I'm sure Justine Bateman enjoys going to whatever restaurant that she wants and like being able to get a table. But there's a lot of uh, things you have to think about too, which is like, it's a lot harder for me to write a book that is not fantasy that's what my audience is. That's where they are. That's what they want. It's very hard for me to write novels and not comics because my audience is more in comics and I have to commit. I've had to commit a lot of resources into books to try and push my way into this market that my audience has been resistant to. And, but I really believe in novels. I really believe that like that's, that's something I want to make a big part of my company and my business. And it's been 
it's been a struggle because, uh, you know, a lot of those come like, while I have had huge successes in comics, I don't have that many big successes in novels. I don't have a lot of, uh, and like, it's very hard, but yet I spend more time in novels than in comics. So Mm. you have to sort of understand that if you're going to move outside of your lane, uh, it's going to be very hard again, as hard as it was when you first started, if not harder, because now you have a bunch of people who would, who will buy your books, but only if you make a certain kind of book. Yeah, you're right. Cause if Stephen King wrote a book, that's not a horror book. I'll, I'll probably wonder why is he doing that? At some point, I think you break through that, but most people never break through it. Like Stephen King wrote The Green Mile and On Writing and uh, a bunch of stuff that wasn't uh, in the same genre, but he was, he'd been doing it for 20 years by the time he did that. So, you know, he wrote those things in the 90s after he'd been like made hundreds of millions of dollars. So, you know, J.K. Rowling wrote A Casual Vacancy. You know, that was not Harry Potter and that one fizzled comparatively to Harry Potter. So, and people just kept saying, well, why wouldn't you make more Harry Potter? And now she's doing more Harry Potter and people are saying, why are you ruining the franchise of Harry Potter? So it's <laughs> wow. just like, like there's no matter how you not complaining, I'm just stating facts is like, mm-hmm. this is, this is what you have to deal with when you get to successful. And people come to me and say like, why are you complaining or why is X, Y, and Z? It's like, it, it comes down really to, you know, how resilient can you be in your mindset? Like how, how much can you give yourself a break? Because, you know, at some point there's nothing pushing against you. There are this very little pushing against you except yourself. And you have to be able to, to live with you for the next hopefully 50 years. And that's been this new struggle of my life. It's no longer like, how do you break in or how do you make a name or how do you get people to talk about you? Like I have in my small circle, all of those things happen, but the mindset part is a lifetime of work and it's not easy and there's good days and bad days. And, but, uh, it's, it's the work worth doing because it's the work that will like keep you alive and kicking I've interviewed a lot of people in my life and the, one of the consistencies is like you just have to be kind to yourself and understand that like things take time. You have to love yourself. You have to be kind to yourself and you, you have to be your biggest fan. Absolutely. Because there's just nobody, there's nobody you have to look in. And it's really easy to, it's a lot easier to do, to move forward if you have positive self-talk. I'm not saying you need to like pump your head full of air or like be cocky or something, but you need to be able to look in your mirror and at least live with the person who you are. Because if you don't have positive self-talk, then it's hard to, to convince yourself to do anything. If you have positive self-talk and you believe that you can do it, then you can move mountains. I love it, Russell. And I want to be mindful of your time. I know you need to get back to that book cover, but I do kind of want to shift a little bit and ask you a question. DC or Marvel? Indie. Well, great answer. 
I don't read any DC or Marvel stuff unless my friends work on it. Uh, I read, I don't even read image stuff, honestly. Like most of my stuff comes from Kickstarter. I love finding new weird artists and and weird comics. Uh, Yeah, things that break the format. So my favorites are all books. I try to give people some recommendations that they've heard of, but usually when I talk to people about comics, I'm talking about books that have not hit the mainstream yet. Or if they've hit the mainstream, they've hit like a corner of it. I'm always looking for something new, something different, something that's not necessarily mainstream. So do you have any recommendations? Oh, I have so many recommendations. All right. My favorite comic of all time is by Aaron Alexevich. He wrote a book called Serenity Rose, which is amazing. It's about a a witch coming to terms with her sexuality while she's trying to contain the power that's inside of her. It's great. Then there's a book called uh, Shiver Bureau, which is by my friend Walter Osley. He also wrote a book called Cubicles and one called Hacksaw. My friend Angela Oddling has a webcomic called Detached, which is just so good. It's just such a good one. My friends uh, Comfort Love and Adam Withers have a book called Rainbow in the Dark and a webcomic called The Uniques, which is just incredible. God, I could go on forever. My, my friend uh, Melissa Pagluica. That was, that's wrong. But anyway, she wrote a book called Above the Clouds, which is incredible. My friend Charlie Stickney wrote a book called uh, White Ash. So all of these are like very indie books. And then I've written several books, which are also good, of which I recommend Ichabod Jones' Monster Hunter, uh, which is about a psychopath that escapes a mental asylum and becomes a monster hunter. Doesn't know if he's killing monstrous humans or it's all in his head the whole time. And you can get the first issue for free on my website at one at russellnolte.com. And where else can we find you? Well, the completecreative.com is where my podcast is. We've had almost 200 episodes. That is also where my free courses are. I've got free courses on writing novels, building audiences. And then, uh, as you mentioned before, epic blog posts and just a whole lot of content. And I can confirm that I did sign up at RussellNolte.com and I have received my free books. I've received more than one. Yeah, there's five. So you, you get uh, Katrina Hates the Dead, number one. Ichabod Jones, Monster Hunter, number one. Cthulhu is Hard to Spell. A sample of Cthulhu is Hard to Spell, our most popular anthology. A nonfiction book called How to Make the Best Work of Your Life. And then, they said, oh, uh, Katrina Hates the World, which is a prequel to my uh, God's Verse chronicles novel series awesome 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 and russell i thank you so much for giving me something to do doing the coronavirus and i recommend everybody go check out your websites and check out your books they're awesome thank you thank you i've always wanted to be a writer since i was a little kid and um i i don't think i have the talent so i love what you guys do i love what you do so i appreciate you thank you so much for coming on to the show and uh you have a good day okay you too thank you for having me no thank you take care Thank you, Russell. And Russell, if you're listening, I hope you figured out that printer situation and took care of your book cover. And I need to figure out why I forgot about the Green Mile. All right, everybody, you can find out more about Russell Nolte at RussellNolte.com or over at TheCompleteCreative.com. And while you're there, don't forget to check out his podcast, The Complete Creative Podcast. That way you can hear how mindset, creativity, and marketing all works together. And you can also see the 11 videos from the Connections web series on YouTube. I left the link to it and a lot more in the show notes at TheJamesShannon.com slash 10. Don't forget to leave a comment and subscribe to the show. Tune in next week as we will be talking to a man who spent some time in prison. 
and hear what he's up to now, knowing that he is a free man. I'll talk to you later. Thanks and bye.